This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Saleh and Hani Balkis. Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. This is the one and only place where we bring you the latest in robotics, artificial intelligence, gadgets and applications. All that you need to know about what's happening in the tech world, in the UAE and around the world is being brought to you right here on Pulse 95. Lots is happening in the tech world and a lot of it has to do with COVID-19. Yes, indeed. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen. Now We do know that the COVID-19 pandemic is still alive and well, unfortunately. Now, a lot of people are getting vaccinated and I'm seeing the, the, the huge vaccination drive that the UAE is doing. And Omnia, every day I'm looking at people closer and closer to me getting the vaccine. I have yet, unfortunately, to get the vaccine, but I will soon. But uh, again, a lot of people are getting cyber attacked, which is disguised as a COVID-19 handout. Yes, indeed. So we all know that cyber criminals love to make the most out of the fear that tends to take over people's hearts and this is nothing new with this COVID-19 scam that we're going to be telling you all about it but Tesla's also making headlines because they have decided to sue a former employee for allegedly stealing information this has become a trend in 2021 yes Omnia now if we do know that uh right here right there in the in the, in the U.S. uh the U.S. President Joe Biden actually is pushing for electric vehicles much more and yeah. we're looking at Apple also trying to get on the EV uh train so Electric vehicles are now becoming more and more competitive and I'll, I bet you Omnia, a lot of people will pay a lot of big bucks to get their hands on Tesla software. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a live in-studio interview with a graduate of the American University in Sharjah. Yes, indeed. This is one of the most interesting women in tech that I have come across. She was actually named on the prestigious 30 under 30 Forbes Middle East list of 2020. We're going to be talking to Zain Kamal Masri, who is actually the head of brand and reputation marketing at Google. She's going to be telling us all about the challenges that she has faced as a woman in tech, her journey starting out from university and all the different initiatives that she has created with Google to help support other women in tech. Yes, there's a big stereotype that only men work in tech, but uh, we do have Zane to break that stereotype. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of going on right here on Future Talk. We're taking a short break, but when we come back, we've got all the news for you that's happening in the digital world. But ladies and gentlemen, do you know what is the answer? Love. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Bits and bytes do connect our world, ladies and gentlemen, and with bits and bytes being connected, it is easier to attack one another. And that's <laughs> what we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about cyber attacks, which are disguised as COVID-19 handouts. Now, cyber criminals are leveraging a range of topics, including the fear that a person has encountered an infected individual, government vaccine approvals, as well as sign-up forms to receive the vaccine. Now, 100% Omnia, every time uh, we think that someone may got corona mm -hmm. and we automatically think, oh man, I got corona now. We start getting feared. And that <laughs> happened to me actually last week, Omnia. A couple of my friends got corona and I was like, oh my God. And I, and, and I'm I was worried that you got corona. And, and Omnia, I'm at, like, at my desk at home yeah. and I got like a piece of paper and I'm trying to do the contact tracing. Oh my Lord. So, and then I go on Google, I say contact tracing COVID-19. Map. And I'm looking at that map and I'm trying to create my own map and my own timeline. When did I see this person? Alhamdulillah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was not, uh, I, I, I was not in, in, in that contact tracing pool. And uh, it turns out that when they, and I was on the phone, Omnia, with them. Oh my Lord. I was on the phone. I was like, so you saw Muhammad on the 12th. 
<laughs> and he got it on the 16th. And then I saw him. And then I saw him on the 9th. Oh, Lord. So I was doing all of that. So a lot of people do have fear when uh, they get in contact with someone who has COVID-19. And the sad part is cyber criminals do adapt to this fear. So they try and find leeways on how they can actually get to users' minds and make the most out of it. So the most recent malware attacks have definitely been revolving around the COVID-19 vaccine, government officials, you know, sending you somehow emails about you coming into contact with someone else, which is all not true. But a security company named Proofpoint has actually observed the use of COVID-19 COVID-19 in social engineering attacks that have led to malware, phishing attacks, as well as other forms of cyber uh, crimes mm-hmm. since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, COVID-19 themes have definitely been consistent with the current events, and there were many lures in all those emails that have made a lot of people fall as praise for them about the virus in existence in their family, about loved ones and friends getting the virus Mm -hmm. and them being at risk. But researchers have also observed that this increase in attack has been you know, even increasing a lot more with the vaccine news going around. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, there were so many emails about which vaccine is better, which vaccine should you go for, which one are you even eligible for? Now, unfortunately, ever since the pandemic, a lot of hackers and cyber attackers did benefit a lot because of the pandemic and that exceeded use of internet usage from big all the way to <laughs> small. And I know a lot of people who got emails and I personally did get emails. Oh, pandemic offer on Amazon. Just <laughs> sign in right here, right now. And you're going to get 70 percent off on your groceries because uh amazon wants to give back to the people who are affected by the pandemic which obviously omnia i like to take this in life omnia Mm -hmm. if it's too good to be true then it's not true (laughs) but healthcare pharmaceutical and government organizations were targeted by both nation states and financially motivated cyber criminals and these threat actors did recognize the large sums of money funding pandemic related work and targeted the underlying data for financial gain, and they do believe technology partners are an ideal pl- uh, position to help organizations mitigate the risk posed by threat actors during this pandemic and beyond. Now, obviously, the whole world of Neil was in a rush to get that COVID-19 vaccine. There was a lot of funds being put into the research of finding the COVID-19 vaccine, and we did even see, I believe, in New Zealand, uh, there was a, there, there was a, a, a a clinic that was held for ransom. And they were like, nope, we're not giving you your information until you give us $70,000. And the thing is, you know, it's sad how a lot of cyber criminals have been using COVID-19 for their own benefits. Cyber crime experts have been sharing different tips with us on what we should do. Most importantly, do not open any email that sounds like it's it's there. There are a lot of tips and tricks to find out which emails are not true. So mm-hmm. if the website URL is not complete, if it assumes to be yes. a government official, definitely don't mm-hmm. reply unless you're mm-hmm. confirmed that this is a government mm-hmm official Mm -hmm. reaching out to you Mm -hmm. and make sure you do Mm -hmm. do or you do create two-factor authentication for all of your devices Mm -hmm. since this can definitely Mm -hmm. and different accounts since this can definitely help prevent Mm -hmm. any future attacks yes don't sign in anywhere but let's talk about we're not done talking about stealing because tesla (laughs) is suing former employee for allegedly stealing software now the company does say the software engineer moved company files to his personal dropbox now Tesla is suing former employee for allegedly stealing the information, and the company does say that the software engineer engineer stole files from Tesla's internal network, which is related to its warp drive software, which is used to automate many of the company's business processes. And Tesla also does say in the lawsuit that 
the man moved files to his personal Dropbox account and that he was only one of the only few Tesla employees who had access to these files. Then that former employee came out saying that he did that by mistake, that he totally forgot. <laughs> he totally forgot about moving those files to his personal Dropbox when they actually went ahead to confront him. But the question is, why would you even move them to your personal account mm -hmm. when you don't need to? Now, it's interesting that Tesla is definitely aware of everything that's happening and they had uh, definitely filed a lawsuit to try and stop this process. They did not hesitate to protect their data because at the end of the day these are ideas for future uh, concepts that they're trying to build and they want to protect getting yes. first to that idea now i don't believe that uh, he did not he forgot i don't believe that you know Neither what do I. because obviously right now there's a race in the electrical vehicle uh sector industry the industry in general because right now we're we're looking at joe biden the u.s president as saying that hey listen we want even government cars in the united states to run on electric vehicles evs and a lot of people are now jumping on the hype and we did actually kind of uh, see this coming into fruitation because we're looking at how many countries, Omnia, they're, they're, they're saying, hey, listen, let's focus on reducing our carbon footprint, not focus on patrol as much as we need to, and focus on more of the like electric car industry. And obviously, when you have that, you have a lot of key players coming in. Apple saying, hey, listen, we want to make our own car. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a lot of companies right now, Omnia, are creating their own type of electric vehicles. And Tesla right now being the main dog in the market, I do believe that a lot of big companies would pay top dollar to know what Tesla is working on. I agree with you on that one, especially because we've also seen a lot of companies trying to cut down on charging time of electric vehicles. So we've seen companies try and reduce all the drawbacks of having an electric vehicle. Let us know your thoughts. Our text lines are open for 215-DOR-IT-TESALAT or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. Would you own an electric vehicle if there were more outlets to charge them in, yes. as well as if you could charge them at a much faster speed. Coming up on the show, we have a very interesting conversation with a woman in tech. She's going to be telling us about her journey becoming the head of digital marketing and brand reputation at Google, as well as what did she go through to overcome these challenges. Zain Kamal Masri will be joining us, so make sure you keep Pulse95 locked, and we'll be right back. Preach, John Legend. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis. If you take a look around the technology industry, you'll find yourself asking one question. Why aren't there more women? And every woman in tech is definitely changing this reality day by day. But right here in the heart of Sharjah, Zain Al-Masri is helping break that stereotype. She has always dreamt of working at Google, but not only did she achieve this dream, she has also become the head of brand and reputation marketing at Google Middle East and North Africa at the age of 26. Her accomplishments have also seen her be named on the prestigious 30 under 30 Forbes Middle East list of 2020. How did she achieve this dream? Well, we have Zain Al-Masri herself right here in the Pulse95 studio to tell us all about it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's well, good to be here. It's good to have you. Welcome to the show. Now, you do have a big feat already before un being under 30. I yes. mean, uh, that is a big <laughs> feat. But can you talk to us about your journey as a woman in tech? Sure. So my journey was actually very non-linear. 
Uh, I didn't study technology. I didn't work in the tech field before joining Google. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of passion and curiosity about technology. Uh, so I studied mass communication and media right here in Sharjah at AUS. And I minored in psychology. Wow. And then I mastered in psychology. So <laughs> fields that have almost nothing to do with technology. Uh, but I was always very interested in tech and curious about it and uh, would do a lot of self-learning on the side. Uh, so I took part in student activities that were sponsored by Google or programs and learning opportunities uh, that I could use to bridge my knowledge gap in technology, including an internship mm. at Google. Well, that's very interesting, especially because just like you mentioned, you came from a different world, but then found yourself mm. in the field of tech. It does seem that a lot of people who work in tech actually never majored in tech. And we can see that with you as a prime example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Zane, can you tell us a little bit about your view of the tech field? Now, a lot of people, including myself, tend to feel like it's very much male dominated. We've been seeing more and more women become a part of it. But what inspired you to enter this field as a woman in tech? Yes, that's very true. Women tend to be underrepresented in tech, which is a very big challenge. For me, what really drew me to technology was seeing how people are naturally creative and curious, but mm. technology can really help augment that and provide a platform for them to showcase that creativity with the world. And I'm really passionate about that, so being that bridge between how people can practice their creativity and then export it to the world through technology. Now, a lot of people, when they're growing up, they say, I want to be an astronaut, I want to <laughs> be a doctor, I want to do a lot of things. Now, I personally, I want to become a police officer. Oh, God. That was when I was a kid. <laughs> but did you always dream or even aspire about working with Google or working at Google? So my dream of working at Google started in university. Mm. Um, as a kid, I was a very curious kid. Um, I love to learn the ins and outs of things, but technology wasn't really an option. It wasn't something that parents spoke about or schools even spoke about mm. as an option. Uh, it really started in university for me. So that curiosity really started to build up uh, while I was at university. And I set that as my goal uh, to join Google. Well, we definitely have a very mm -hmm. interesting show coming up with Zane. We're going to be talking all about her internship period at Google because little do we know that Google Maps Street View that many of us tend to use do actually sometimes require people to physically go and capture photos of the different streets. And Zane actually had a chance to do that in Jordan. So we're going to be telling you all about it. If you have any questions for Zane Al-Masri, make sure you send them in at 4215-DO-IT-TISALAT or sign into RDMs at Pulse95 Radio. Yes, indeed. We're taking a short break. But when we come back, Omnia told you what we're talking about. Stay tuned right here only on Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis. Who doesn't use Google Maps on a daily basis? I mean, we've all seen it. We've all used the application. And many of us have even seen the Street View mm -hmm. on Google Maps. I, I love Google Street View, Omnia. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll forget what the name of a store is. And I'll go <laughs> and I'll put that Street View on and I'll look around and I'll see the name of the store, for example. And sometimes I'll even, uh, there's some, there's some, there's some, uh, let's say, supermarkets that don't have their number on Google. So they'll have their number 05 or 06 or and whatever. And you get to see exactly what it is that you're and looking I'll, for. And I'll get the contact information just from Google Street Views. Wow, it's amazing. Wow. And especially because even when you're talking to people that, you know, you've only met virtually, a lot of the times we go on Street View to show them exactly what our neighborhood looks like. Mm -hmm. But... 
One interesting guest is on Future Talk today. Her name is Zain Al-Masri. She's the head of brand and reputation marketing at Google Middle East and North Africa. She's a very interesting guest who's been telling us all about her work at Google. Thank you so much for joining us, Zain. Thank you for having me. Um, Zain, during your internship period at Google, you actually placed your mark on Google's map and more specifically the street view. So you went through the city of Petra to try and place it on the map. Can you tell us a little bit about this experience and what did did it take to be able to accomplish that? Of course. So this continues to be one of my favorite projects at Google, if not my favorite. Um, so as part of this experience, we worked with Queen Rania um, yeah. to launch Petra and make it available on Street View, along with 30 other touristic and historic sites. Um, and what was unique about this experience is uh, we had a carry-on trekker, which mm. is basically a backpack with a camera uh, that's 360 degree mm. that would take pictures left, right, up and down, um, and really give people who are watching the content or consuming that content a full experience as if they are at Petra. Uh, the device is basically an extension of the Street View car, which captures street level data mm. and pictures, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, so that device was adjusted as a backpack that you can carry in places where cars can't pass, mm. including Petra. Um, so I carried that device and captured uh, Petra, made it available for millions of people to enjoy and explore, uh, which has been very interesting, interesting given the COVID situation and reductions in travel, people can actually virtually explore a lot of these locations. Uh, so yeah, so that was one of my favorite projects. So it's like automatic, like you're walking or you have to manually press the capture button. So you start off by uh, setting it up. Um, mm -hmm. So the device actually includes also a hard drive that stores the imagery and a battery pack, as mm -hmm. well as the camera, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and you're shooting as you go, so you mm -hmm. film as you go. And then at the end, all that information or the pictures are captured on a hard drive and stitched together into panoramic imagery mm -hmm. um, by the team. And then it's uh, injected or uploaded onto mm -hmm. Street View, which is a feature within Google Maps. So it's filming as you go. Yeah. Of course, a lot of the like private information, like faces, license mm -hmm. plates, that kind of thing is blurred, uh, but the site itself is available and accessible for anyone. Now, how long did it take to actually capture all of this? Is it like a three-day, two-day, or was it all done in a day? Uh, Petra took us two days because mm. many people think Petra is just the treasury, that facade that you see as you enter, but mm. it's actually a full city. Mm. There's a monastery, there's a, like an area that where sacrifices used to happen, there's a mini Petra, there's so much to it, so it took two days. And of course the devices need to be cleared and uh, the batteries need to be charged, so that also takes some time. So it was a two-day adventure. It's, in, it's, it's interesting that she mentions that because a lot of the time people who have visited Petra, they've said that it's very, since it's very ancient and very precious, cars can't go through certain areas mm -hmm. a lot of people actually go on you know on horses yeah. to get to certain locations so to be able to virtually tour through Petra mm. just by that street view is just phenomenal to think of yeah. yes I mean I do give my hat off to you I mean that, that was an experience I think you'll think about for the rest of your life now you have launched several digital skills programs including Maharat Min Google can you tell us about this program and how does this help uh, users grow their digital skills yeah, Maharatman Google is a program we launched in 2018. It's basically a free online platform mm -hmm. where anyone can log in, create an account and access a wealth of information about online marketing. Um, it's available in Arabic as well, uh, and they can go through the content and even get certified by Google. So get a certificate that they can use on their CVs or just to build their profile. Um, and it's open for anyone. So students, business owners or someone who's just looking to upskill and learn mm -hmm. the fundamentals of online marketing and how to have an online presence. That's amazing. And as 
as you've mentioned, it's completely free. So anyone can actually go ahead and mm. take that yes. uh, course. Can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the skills that Maharat Min Google can teach students or even graduates? Of course. So one of the most important skills is have to, how to build an online presence, so how to create a simple website for your business or for a project that you're launching. I think that's a very important skill in general, regardless of the field that you're in. Um, having an online presence is crucial. You can learn the fundamentals of coding as well, of, fun, of machine learning, uh, of e-commerce, which is something that a lot of businesses needed in this last um, mm. year. And it's all for free. And you know what I like to say, Omnia. <laughs> so if it is for free, you should get your hands on it. But uh, you're also responsible for YouTube Batala, which is a content hub that does feature more than 400 female creators from across the Arab world. Can you talk us a little bit about it? Sure, so YouTube Batala is a platform for female creators in the region. Mm -hmm. uh, what we found was um, women in the region are underrepresented on YouTube and in content in general. Mm -hmm. So uh, whether that's behind the scenes or in front of the camera. And so we wanted to create a platform for people, um, companies, advertisers, and other creators to discover female creators and we found a wealth of uh, genres that they're contributing to. It's not just cooking content, for example, mm -hmm. it's really everything from comedy to lifestyle uh, to just entertainment content. And that's really inspiring. And it's important to have a platform to showcase that content. It's interesting that you mentioned how much content is mm -hmm. on the content hub Batala because a lot of people tend to, you know, think of YouTube as a side hustle. Some people don't even view it as an actual career that many people have been choosing to take. But one interesting aspect that I liked about the content hub is it's only for people who create content in Arabic mm. at a time when the English language has become overpowering. So what is your inspiration behind choosing the Arabic language as the medium that this content hub would showcase? Yeah, that's a very important uh, question. So what we found was people are hungry for Arabic content. People want content that represents them that's mm. not only in their language, but in their dialect as well. And there's a lot of interest in that. So that segment isn't getting the content that they want. Um, they have to read subtitles, for example, and consume content that's exported. Um, and so there was a huge gap. Um, while people are creating content, people are not discovering it. So that was the, the gap that we were trying to bridge with the program. Mm -hmm. Now we do know on YouTube, there's a lot of sides to YouTube. You got the <laughs> gaming side, you got the lifestyle side, you got the uh, fitness side. And I actually, one time I stumbled upon the Arabic side of YouTube. And let me tell you, there are some really good content creators. And I would, you would kind of think that maybe they don't get a lot of views, but they get millions and millions of views and even female content creators as well. And I kind of uh, binged watched one female YouTuber. I think it was about during, during quarantine, during lockdown, yeah. I watched it and I was like, wow, there's a lot of good content on the right. Arabic side of YouTube. Yeah, it's it's a whole new world. In fact, the top followed YouTube creator in the Middle East is a female creator, Noor mm. Stars. Oh, wow. So yes, there's a whole world that I wish more people would learn about and explore. And a lot of people have actually asked content creators gone for doing it in Arabic so that they can strengthen the Arabic language. And many people, especially youngsters, have been learning a lot about the language simply by hearing other content creators go ahead and, you know, practice it in front of them. 100%. There's almost a forgotten segment of teenagers that traditional media doesn't cater to, but then YouTube has a lot of content that interests them. So it's great to be a part of that. Amazing. Well, Lots and Lots is still in store right here on Future Talk. Coming up, we're going to be talking all about the beauty and dreaminess of Google's offices. A lot of people, you know, we've heard so many articles. I'm going to ask off air as well. <laughs> Just watch. A lot of people have, you know, myself, I've read about a lot you of articles. You guys like have a slide? Uh, yeah, of like the different entertainments and, and 
and things sure. that you get at Google's offices. So is this really true? And is it as good as it sounds? But also, what are some of the challenges that Zain Al-Masri has faced as a woman in tech? If you have any questions, make sure you send them in to us at 4215. Do it or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. This is Pulse95. Future Talk. With Omnia Saleh and Hani Balkis. The beauty and dreaminess of Google's offices. We've heard about it. We've seen videos about it. A lot of people have even wished and dreamed to go ahead and work for Google just to get to enjoy their offices. Well, today we have someone who's coming right from the heart of the Google offices. Zain Al-Masri, the head of brand and reputation marketing at Google Middle East and North Africa, who is also named on the prestigious 30 under 30 Forbes Middle East list of 2020. It's been such an interesting conversation with you on air and off air. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, tell us a little about uh, a little bit about the Google Office. Is it what we see online? To a certain extent, yes. Uh, it really depends on the office. There's quite a few around the world. Um, here in the region, it's a bit smaller, mm-hmm. but we do have a lot of the perks. So the food, which is incredible. I'm jealous uh, already. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> you caught his attention when you said food. <laughs> Let's, we can wrap it up right here. Um, a ping pong table, foosball uh, table. Again, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really good at ping pong. So if you guys want oh so a challenge. He's not leaving Future Talk anytime soon. Yeah. I can tell you that for sure. We'll bring the ping pong table right (laughs) we'll schedule a tournament sounds good uh video games um so there's that fun aspect uh but also it's uh it's very challenging as well um as you know in the tech sector changes happen every day there's Mm -hmm. new features and launches so um it's a lot of learning on on the job too so how do you balance out between that fun aspect and that you know Mm -hmm. seriousness aspect Mm -hmm. because i mean if you mention mm-hmm. video games to many women and guys out there, they're not going to be getting any work done, you know, whenever video games and ping pong is involved. So what are some of the challenges that you try and tackle, whether it was staying focused or even just in the sector as a ge- as general? Yeah, um, so I think that's always subjective depending on the person. Uh, but generally, productivity is something that I focus on a lot. So how can I uh, be productive, as they say, like work smarter um, and be efficient? So I think that's very important regardless of your Mm -hmm. job um, Mm -hmm. and um, to consider the perks as perks Um, they're Mm -hmm. something that you can use to reward yourself Mm -hmm. after a long day of working Mm -hmm. so that's the mentality that I use um, in my day to day now mashallah you're very successful and obviously you did go through a lot of challenges to get where you are today but what kind of challenges did you face being a woman in tech One of the biggest challenges is Mm. underrepresentation. It's always nice and important to have role models that come from similar backgrounds that you can use and uh, just aspire to and have a roadmap for what success looks like, what Mm. leadership looks like. And that's uh, a challenge because women are underrepresented in tech, especially Arab women. Mm. Arabs in general are. So Mm. uh, that is definitely a challenge. um, And that's something that uh, we're trying to bridge the gap for every single day. Now, thankfully, you are now becoming a role model for the younger generation. Yes, indeed. And you have a lot of accomplishments under your belt. But Zan, many people are tuning in right now. They could be students. They could be graduates, you know, about to enter the workforce. What is one piece of advice you wish someone told you when you were back in your university years or even a fresh graduate? 
Uh, some advice is to try and recalibrate. So mm. as kids, we're often told there are certain sectors that aren't really for us or we're discouraged from certain fields and interests. And it's important to set that aside. Um, we're in a new day and age um, and to try to aspire for things, even if you were told that they're not possible, mm. um, to work towards those goals, to set smaller goals that can help you reach them is super important. Uh, yes, it's nice to have that big dream, but how can I reach it in smaller milestones uh, is something that every student should focus on. You heard it from here first, Wise ladies words. and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Zane, for coming on the show with us, taking time out of your day. And obviously, you have done <laughs> a lot in such a short amount of time. I mean, 30 under 30, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we can definitely hope that every student out there tuning in can get a little bit of advice and use your story to push them forward. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You guys are amazing. Thank you. And to everyone tuning in to us right now, thank you so much for lending us your ears for the hour. Future Talk is coming to an end but you can catch us again same time same place tomorrow from 2 to 3 p.m. only here on Pulse 95. 95 this is Pulse 95 tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.